from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today here on Radio Taiwan International. In a little bit, we'll be taking you over to Hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and In the Spotlight. But first up, it's a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're catching us on our Facebook live stream, today is Wednesday, October 21st. Otherwise, if you're joining us through the airwaves, it's Thursday, October 22nd. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me here in the studio today is Natalie To. Hello. Up next, Food Fight. The mayors of Tainan and Kaohsiung get into an online feud over which city's braised pork is the best, and the commissioner of nearby Pingdong County gets sucked into the fray too. Then we'll be telling you about how some monkey business has been disrupting a school in central Taiwan, and just how much trash lurks off the coast of Taiwan. The answer will probably surprise you. We'll be telling you in just a minute. Please stick around. Oh boy, Natalie, have you heard about this story yet? This food fight incident online? I have. It sounds pretty <laughs> exciting, and it makes me want to go have some uh, braised pork rice. <laughs> Actually, what if this is just a contrived publicity stunt? So I don't know. go down south, right? So this happened uh, on October 17th. It sounds like over the weekend. Um, it started with a Facebook post by Kaohsiung's mayor, Chen Ximai. Uh He posted photos of himself eating braised pork rice at a famous eatery in the city, praising how delicious his city's take on the snack is in an effort to boost, you know, interest in local delicacies. You know how that's happened sometimes, you know, an official will post something and people will flock to do whatever they, it is they tell them. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a great way to get Taiwanese. business. Um, however, he made the mistake, or deliberately, I don't know which, of putting down the same dish as it's uh, prepared in neighboring Tainan, oh. a city that is very famous, and I think deservedly so, for the quality of its food. Oh, yeah. The people go so. there, and they're really famous for having stalls that have just done maybe one dish for 30 years or 50 years. Oh, yeah. No, it's like a, there's no menu. Like, you get you get the one thing that they serve, and that's it. Um, uh, yeah, he said that Kaohsiung's braised pork rice tastes better than Tainan's, and he's claimed that it that the Tainan version only tastes so-so, in his words. <laughs> So, yes, he was definitely well, provoking the, the mayor, mayor there, for Tainan sure. was not going to stand for that. Huang Weijia took to Facebook and showed photos of himself. I'm sure he rushed right away to the nearest one he could find, uh, eating uh, braised pork rice at not one but two different eateries in his city. I wonder if there were photos of him before or if he went just to, you know, stick it to the Kaohsiung mayor. I don't know. Uh, so I want to show pictures of this braised pork rice. Uh, okay. I think we should describe it's it to our listeners and our viewers. It's a yeah. it's, it's rice and then there's like um, stewed pork. stewed pork chopped Finely in little minced. cubes and lots of fat yeah. and lots of greasy sauce. Not a not a <laughs> diet friendly dish. Also quite sweet as well. Yeah, prepared with lots sweet. of sugar. It has a very special sauce on it. It's just like sticky and mm. chewy. And Taiwanese people are really take good. this very seriously. Um, and uh, actually, the Tainan mayor 
poked fun right back at the Kaohsiung mayor saying, well, the owner probably is from Tainan anyway. (laughs) (laughs) He also added that uh, the the city government in Tainan compiled a list of more than 700 stores that sell the dish that have been recommended by locals. So that's a lot of... How many stores? 700 in the Tainan city limits. So Tainan alone? I think he's saying, well... And we not only do we do it better, we have way more of it. I can't believe that's amazing. Um, so while they were fighting uh, nearby Pingdong County, poor, poor guy, the commissioner of Pingdong County got sucked into the fray, as we told you. The Tainan mayor apparently like tagged him or something, saying that uh, they were going to do a food trade. It's like kids at a lunch table. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'll trade you some of our braised pork for some of your black tuna sashimi. Um that's and, what they're famous for down there. But oh, but the Pingdong mayor, very clever. I'm my mayor, commissioner of Pingdong County, uh, actually very cleverly countered that actually our braised pork is the best. Here's his quote, and it's a little bit scary actually the way he put this. I'm gonna try and read it in my best Halloween voice. Only Pingdong's braised pork can melt into your soul. Ooh, <laughs> that's a bit creepy. Oh, wow, that sounds really delicious, though. <laughs> it is kind of melting melty, into though. your soul. It is really sticky <laughs> and Hopefully gooey. Hopefully, not into your arteries. And... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we have a lot of people joining us. I want to say hello to right. Joshua Bu- Buendia from Kalukun City, the Philippines. Hello. Also, Naraj Ray says, hi, John. Hi. Woohoo. And also, <laughs> Abid Hussein Sajid from Pakistan says, hello. And then we also said, and Jen Delari says, oh, that braised pork sounds ah. good. I tried some of the Taiwanese <laughs> spicy beef noodles from a local place at Shirley Lynn's suggestion. Now I'm going to have to see if the same place has the braised pork. You definitely need to try it. It's, you know, they probably don't, though, because like you said, they tend to very, these specialty shops tend to really specialize. Like if they do beef noodles, that's what they do. There's that's, like very little yeah, else. If I've, they do braised pork, like that's maybe they might have a couple other things, but usually like. I think I've never seen that in the U.S. either. You know, Braised Park actually goes for like one or two U.S. dollars. It's, it's like cheap. it's It's just like one bowl of rice with pork on it and the sauce. So mm. it's not like a whole dinner. So I don't you think... You could make a I'm whole not, dinner out of it. It's I'm, probably not recommended by dietitians. But <laughs> right. But I don't think it's like something you would build a restaurant on in, in the U.S. No. Right. You could do that for beef noodles, but not... It's like one little small eat, as people would call it in People Taiwan. might go there and then eat some other things along the way, especially in like a night market type setting. Yeah. It's so, like tapa hopping. I mean, if you ever have the fortune to try it, definitely try it. It's very sticky. Yeah. It's not extremely healthy, but, but it's very delicious. A word of advice... Don't post about which cities you think is the best. Yeah. It can get really so, ugly. So do you like the dish, John? I have to say, oh, I'm going to say the most controversial thing of all. I'm not a big fan, you know, personally. Not, actually, I don't too, eat it too much because it's very rich. It's, it's not terribly good for you. It's no. very rich. You feel like you're in eating moderation, something in moderation. Yeah, that's not good for you, but it's, <laughs> it's yummy. Okay. It's good. Man, I wish my school days had been this interesting. I never had anything like this happen where I went to school. Uh, it's a monkey invasion. That's right. So all the way in uh, Yunling, there's um, a school that is, you know, nearby. There's some Formosa macaques, monkeys, basically. They're mean. And yeah, <laughs> they have an they're attitude. vicious. So <laughs> sometimes they come visit the school and try to steal a little food from the refrigerator and stuff like that. Like open refrigerators? So, well, obviously, Do yeah, they apparently they, they get into the kitchen. So this time, though, um, this morning, exactly, actually, at around 6.30 a.m., about 20 of them came. 
Oh, it's a monkey siege. And they came for about a half hour. And they even, like, tampered with the video. They even, like, took down one of the video. The CCTV cameras? Yeah. Um, and they stole breakfasts from kids. Oh, man. I mean, it was so a big invasion. <laughs> like, they must have told, hey, this place, we got to go here it's because the there's greatest. lots of food. Let's all go together. Maybe they had braised pork. That must have been what it was it on the menu. Be. I mean, I'm sure it smells good, right? A lot mm. of good breakfasts. Uh, they usually a lot of kids, you know, actually buy breakfast on the way to school. Sure. And so it's freshly made and it's nice and aromatic. But um, so they hanged out there for like half an hour. It took a long time. How did they get rid of them? Do you? So the, the teachers just kind of chased them away. Yeah. But they're not really afraid of people. In fact, I saw they're them not. almost take out a grown person one time Are when you I was serious? in Galveston. You mean yeah. beat it up or something? No, like they like attack. Like we're about to jump on his face. Oh. They said don't bring food, and they had like a McDonald's bag or something. We weren't supposed to do it. It was in the Shoshan, which is a mountain famous for them. That's true. So, um, yeah, they're not really shy about people. They're not shy. They're not afraid of people no. at all, and we're not supposed to feed them. Because that would only Sometimes they help them. themselves to our food, but yeah, so... Yeah, well, I've never come across them, have you? Um, I've in, in vans, in like buses, in remote areas. And that one time in Kaohsiung, because that mountain is famous for them. Like I said, like that's like their home, you know? Right, so so they, they sprung a surprise attack oh, on the breakfasts of some <laughs> junior high school students in uh, central Taiwan this morning. I've, so what a way invaded, to start the day, huh? I think they've invaded schools in the past, though. Though The last time I can remember this happening was during summer vacation. It wasn't this year. And I remember there was a video video footage of them. I guess one of the teachers who was hanging around shot it of them playing like on the swings in the play, school playground. Oh, that's <laughs> it was, funny. It was actually kind of funny. But this is when people are around, it's a bit scarier. They'll whip your face off. <laughs> They're not very nice. Marine waste seems to be a recurring theme on this program lately. I'm not sure why, but there have been a lot of stories about it. And I guess rightly so, because an, a survey, the results of which were just uh, recently released uh, by a group called Indigo Waters, found that the amount of trash on the ocean floor off Taiwan's west coast is 1.5 times the global average. Fortunately, this is just uh, the west coast. The east coast, I think, is a bit more well protected, but uh, hopefully much more so. Um, and this was a very thorough study. They took a year to finish it. They did it from September last year to August this year. Uh, they collected samples, 6,000 samples, from near the mouths of eight different rivers. And Western Taiwan has plenty of That's those. That's terrible. Um, so if you, to give us some sort of a picture of what we mean by, you know, above the global average, uh, they estimated that there's over 120 pieces of trash per square kilometer on the ocean floor off our west coast. That's about 102 kilograms. Uh, the same group, Indigo Waters, uh, seems to have done similar studies elsewhere in the region. Uh, when they were near Tokyo, they found 66.6 kilograms per square kilometer. We're 102 once again. Oh, that's a lot um, more. That's too much. Off South Korea, it was anywhere from 31 to 73 kilograms, and it was only uh, just a little shy of 16 kilograms off the coast of China, although it doesn't say where. That's kind of surprising. So, um, I, I mean, I used to, I, I usually uh, take pride in Taiwan's, you know, ability yeah. to recycle really well and be very good with its trash. We need to do better. But not in this aspect. Well, a lot of it, so here's the kinds of trash they were finding. This can give us some idea. Uh, surprisingly, about 60% of what they were found, what they were finding was textiles. Now, that's not necessarily like clothes, textiles. Are talking it's about like fishing, fishing nets? nets or mm -hmm. also bags that they 
hold rice in oh, or like animal feed. Those so sorts it sounds of like burlap waste, type of waste, right? Yeah. From fishermen. That's or... a lot of it. And you would imagine it would float, but I guess not. Um, 30%, and this is where maybe uh, people like you and you and I should do better, <laughs> um, is plastic film, which probably came from packaging of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's quite an alarming amount. Do you want to guess where the dirtiest place is? We're going to start another regional internet war. <laughs> Taipei? Off of Taipei, where specifically? Geelong? We're talking river mouths that they were doing. Damsui? Yes. Oh, I'm not um, surprised. Well, I mean, it's such a crowded river. Yeah. Lots of people. It's really sad. It's, it's right in the city. It's a beautiful place, but there, it's unfortunately too much. 90 times the global <gasps> average. No way. Wow. So definitely we need to be doing better. That's coming out of, that's coming out of like right here. There's part of tributary of that river flows right past our studios. So, so that's how are us. the beaches where you guys live? Are they, are they <laughs> or, nice and clean or full of trash? So here's some good news, though. Okay. About another article here about a group that's helping to raise awareness and change, hopefully, our habits a little bit. Um, this is a group. It doesn't have its name written here, but it's been set up by the Taoyuan city government. And uh, they only started officially, it looks like, at the end of July. That's when their first cleanup was. And it's like diving. They've got diving gear on, that kind of a cleanup. Like they dive and wow. pick stuff off the floor of the ocean. And um, so they found some interesting things, uh, including a bicycle. A bicycle the ocean at the floor. bottom of the ocean? Yeah, um, near the coast. Uh, again, off the west coast. I think the east is at least slightly prettier there's fewer much, definitely fewer people living in those areas although a lot of tourism so that might maybe 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 not as good as we might hope um and they say that while part of what they're finding the waste especially like plastic and stuff drifts from other countries nearby a good chunk of it is of course domestic wastes that washes into the sea through rivers and streams so again river mouths seem to be where it's happening the most lighter waste, like plastic and polystyrene, that's on the surface usually, but it's the heavier stuff, like bicycles, <laughs> that sinks down. And just to show how bad this is, uh, they weren't collecting all that much trash. It wasn't a year-long survey. Uh, remember, they've only been in action since the end of July this year. But they chose a spot off Taoyuan that's known for having relatively clear water because there's not so much sand that's drifting in there. And even there... At this a wild, and this was a wildlife conservation area too, mind you. They could only see thirty centimeters in front of their faces, thirty centimeter visibility. Oh, that's and that's just because of just junk in the water. That's terrible. Um, they've since gone up to clean up other parts of Taiwan, Keelung's uh, Chaojing Bay Conservation Area, and Xiaoliuqiao, a very popular tourist resort uh, and island. I love that place. I'd love it too, but apparently more trash than we would like to admit. <sighs> That's terrible. Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, because of uh, the monsoon winds that kind of stir up the water here in the winter, uh, they can only operate between May and October. But they are working with like the fisheries officials and using data analytics to figure out when water should be least affected by sand so that during the period that window of time when they can operate they can clean things up uh, i'm not sure how many people are on the team it doesn't say but uh at least somebody's doing something about okay, all this we need more people to do more yeah and less people to i agree throw trash in mm. on the beaches
Speaking of heroes, let's hear a story now about a heroic high school student being hailed for helping a senior citizen in need. That's right. Well, you know what's special about this high school student and uh, this senior citizen? I mean, is that one is that he acted right away, and two is that when he saw this elderly man, he, he thought immediately of his grandpa, who he's mm. very close to. Um, his grandpa actually took care of him when he was young and already passed away. So when oh. he saw this um, elderly man had um, f- fallen down and he was bleeding from a head wound. Ow. Um, this is right Oof. outside the MRT and he'd fallen down, apparently down the steps. And um, so so when he saw him, he immediately took off his jacket, used it to compress the wound wow. and elevate the man's head. Sounds like a high school student who'd had CPR training or and some kind of... he said he saw this on... Um, was it a medical On a drama? YouTuber. Oh, okay. A YouTuber, Holger Chen, was very famous. He was actually shot. Oh, the really... The, yeah, the bulky, uh, the, the strong oh, yeah, guy. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. And, um, the tattoo guy. Yeah, they saw th- that when he was shot, they used tissue paper to help stop the bleeding. So he remembered that. Wow. And um, so he went, you know, right away to help him. And then someone called the ambulance. So, um, you know, all this was caught on video. And people were just... You know, saying, what a great, you know, young man. And he said, well, you know, if it wasn't, if I wasn't there, someone else would have done it. So he's, you know, he's being very... Would they have known what to do, though? That's true. And he's just, you know, quite humble about it, saying, I I just happened to be there when it happened. But he did share about his relationship with his grandpa. He said that, um, actually, his grandpa died in May this year, which made him so sad. Mm. And um, he, you know, helped bring him up when he was young. So um, he he just, when he saw the elderly just man, like, he thought about his grandpa. And mm, then he saw him, you know. Sprang into action. Yeah, needing help. And um, anyway, so. Oh, actually, he, he said that when he was young, um, his grandpa um, took him around in a stroller. And then when he got into grade school, his grandpa's health declined. And he had to... Um, be in a wheelchair and so they kind of switch turn uh, switch roles and he took care of his grandpa in the wheelchair so he anyways he says he really misses his grandpa and he's very happy to be able to help this elderly citizen well it's good that uh you know someone who knew what to do was there at the right time that's right Well, I imagine that President Tsai one is the sort of person that receives all sorts of messages from all over the place. Uh, and uh, But I don't think that she was expecting to get a postcard from uh, where she did uh, earlier in the week. On Tuesday, she got a postcard from Antarctica. <laughs> really? Yeah. And what did the person say? It's a Taiwanese scientist there. Ooh. And uh, expressed thanks. She expressed thanks for the greeting from afar. And pointed out that there are Taiwanese people everywhere well, yeah, imaginable. I guess so. Um, she shared this on Instagram, which is, uh, it's really cool. Um, this postcard is, it looks like it might have been self-designed. Um, I'm a bit perplexed by some of the, the words that were written on the cover of it. Uh, so there was winter and summer, okay, for a polar region, that makes sense. But then there was evening wear and men's wear and ladies' fashion. And I don't quite understand what that means. But it shows a person's bundled up in a snowy landscape. So I guess close enough and arctic themed there um this is a a person from the space science and engineering institute an associate professor uh, at national central university who is 
spending a year in Antarctica, which is a very tough thing to do, I understand. Uh, you get isolated it's be in a cold small. There. <laughs> well, and you're in like a you know you get cabin fever, right? You're stuck with a small sure. group of people for a very extended period of time, and. Uh, so the president said it took nearly two months for the postcard to get to Taiwan, which I'm not sure what postal That's system handles mail from Antarctica, but um, I guess one of the ba countries that have bases down there. It doesn't say where this uh, scientist was staying. Um, the message on the postcard was really sweet. Um, uh, she wrote that she feels privileged to have witnessed the beauty of Antarctica, including the polar night. But uh, she's uh, seems to be very proud of Taiwan, though, and I think uh, the president really appreciated that note. Uh, she said she's aware of how bad COVID-19 has been in the world, but also how well Taiwan has done at containing it. Well, you know, our listener here, Jen Delari, has a connection to Antarctica. Really? She says, I actually had a friend who did a few stints in McMurdo Base in Antarctica about uh -huh. 10 years ago. She wanted me to work with her down there. And as someone who grew up in 37 degrees Celsius weather, I politely declined. <laughs> <laughs> she got me a T-shirt instead. That's funny. I didn't, that's so cool. I didn't know that they sold souvenirs down there. And by the way, uh, one of our listeners likes your T-shirts. <laughs> oh. I think I, nice t-shirt. I'm not sure where I even got this from. So I like the colors, the yellow and blue. I think very nice. I think it came from with me from the U.S. or something. Um, and um, so here are some of the other places that Taiwanese people have been, though. And I like this because oh, cool. Um, there's a Taiwanese scientist who I had forgotten about this story. Recently, became the first person from Asia, even though this is very close to Asia, to land to descend into the Mariana Trench in like one of those submersibles, which is the deepest point on Earth. Ooh. It's right off of Asia. So uh -huh. it's surprising that that's the first person from Asia to have done it was a Taiwanese. And not that they went there or anything. I don't think it would be very safe to. But uh, the first image of a black hole, of course, was captured by our scientists here too. So, uh, so we get around and the world. Or, or observe things anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're involved with uh, many global activities, put it that way. Very quickly, before we go today, did you know that a 100-year-old bookstore has just officially reopened Where in the central this? city of Taichung? I think I heard about it. Tell me more about it. Um, I think we may have covered uh, sort of the renovation and stuff of a, a, a while ago, actually. But this is a central bookstore, and it has formally now reopened. And this was just on Sunday. And, of course, there were literary figures uh, gathered around. Uh, the culture minister appears to have gone, actually and uh, saying that it was not only a cultural heritage site, but also represents a major milestone in the development of Taiwan's culture. And that's not just, you know, typical politician talk. It has quite a long and storied history. It was established in 1927 during Japanese colonial rule, and it was a, a hangout spot, it looks like. It was affiliated with a group called the Central Club that was very influential in promoting democracy and home rule here in Taiwan during that period. So some very intellectual people cool. uh, gathering there. Um, it was relocated, so it's not on its original spot, but, you know, it still counts. Unfortunately, it was forced to close in 1988, and 17 years later, uh, a f the head of a foundation bought the building, and with some help from some nonprofits, it was renovated and reopened after a trial period. Oh, we would have talked about this in November, I think, when they had, like, a little trial opening. But for reasons that aren't quite made clear here, uh, it's officially opened on Sunday. And people who remember this bookstore from back in the old days are understandably very happy about it.
So it's a uh, sounds like a cool place to check out. Yeah, in Taiwan, we don't let our old institutions uh, fall into quickly. ruin. No, no, no. In fact, we even bring them back sometimes. That's right. Well, thank you so much for everyone who joined us today for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. Once again, if you're joining us on the radio, uh, please don't go anywhere just yet because coming up next, it's hashtag Taiwan, Taiwan Explained, and in the spotlight. For Here in Taiwan, though, I'm John Van Trieste. And I'm Natalie So. We'll see ya.